0: you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hi, Obichi. Hi, Bola. Thank you so much for joining me today on a new episode of the Clever Girls Know podcast. I'm excited to talk to you. Thank
1: you. Thank you for having me here.
0: So you're going to be sharing how real estate and your real estate investments helped you pay off your debt to the tune of $26,000 in student loans. Replace your nine to five income and have put you on the path to start building generational wealth. I cannot wait for you to share. But
1: before we get into it, please tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, everyone. My name is Ogechi. I'm a real estate investor, real estate educator, and the founder of One Savvy Dollar. I help renters who want to become homeowners, renters who want to become real estate investors and homeowners who want to become real estate investors.
0: I love that. And real estate is something that is very important because it's a category of wealth building. But before we get into the gist, I just wanted to mention something really, really important and say thank you to you. So going back to March of 2020, when the pandemic officially started, I guess, quote unquote, And we all went into lockdown and, you know, we were thinking about ways to support our Clever Girl Finance community. And so we made our courses free, but also we were just getting so many requests for women who were struggling to feed their families and their kids. And so we started doing gift cards for groceries on Instagram. And when we started doing that, you were the first woman to reach out and you said, I want to pay for some families' groceries, and you paid for hundreds of dollars worth of groceries to help a mom that had a newborn get formula, to help a mom who had lost her job to feed her children. And I just want to say thank you to you because it was a small gesture, but it was a big impact to the women that you helped. And so I appreciate you so much for that.
1: And so, yeah. (laughs) Thank you. I I don't even remember. But yeah, now that you brought it up, like I didn't even, it was just so, I mean, the pandemic was like looking back at it now, it was such a wild time. It was so wild, like the roads were empty. Everyone yes. was so horrible. It was like out of a movie. And I'm like, this is crazy. And no one would have... I mean, I'm glad that we're here now. But yes. at this time, it was just so horrible. And I, I was like, any way that I could help, definitely a woman, you know, family, whatever. Any way that I could help, I'm all in. So, oh, yes. thank you I'm so, so much. <laughs> <You know. laughs>
0: so, let's get into the gist of our episode. And tell me, how did you get into real estate at the age of 21.
1: I think well as Nigerians I can I can share I share I, you know how it is back home. Real <laughs> estate is like like people fight over land. You yes. understand what I mean? Like people fight over houses, people fight over and just coming here and realizing that let's face it, housing is always going to be a need it doesn't matter how many cryptos, how many metaverses you stay in. (laughs) You have to come out (laughs) and face real life. (laughs) You're still going to need a roof over your head to be able to, you know, do whatever you need to do. No matter how many virtual realities you stay in, you're going to come back down to earth, to reality. So you need a roof to stay. And at the time, because that was back in 2007, it was like, listen, the bank was willing to give anyone with a pulse a mortgage, anything with a pulse, a mortgage. And just coming from Nigeria at the time, being in the system and realizing, because where we come from, you buy a home, the home was $100,000. You have to pay $100,000 in cash. In cash, yes. In cash, yes, we have a cash and carry system. Mm-hmm. And, mortgages at the time we didn't have you know nobody could take out a loan maybe things have changed and gotten better right now but well back was, then if you could you were talking about 30 40% interest interest <laughs> exactly and it was something like it was so inaccessible crazy to and you had to
0: have collateral
1: to get exactly. the loan but
0: you're trying to buy the collateral so exactly. you don't have it
1: exactly. yeah exactly. So trying to do all of that back home would have been impossible. So I came here, stayed in the system for a little bit and realized, my goodness, if a home is going for $100,000, well, they don't need you to bring $100,000. They need you to bring $20,000, but wait, there's more. You can actually pay, $20,000 would be 20% of $100,000. So, but you don't have to pay 20%. You could bring 3.5%, you could bring 5%, Mm -hmm. you could bring. So I'm like, wow, with just a few thousand dollars, I can own and control a major asset that remains a cornerstone of wealth building. I'm like, I'm all in. I immediately recognized the opportunity and the access that was available to me at the time. And I was like, this is a no brainer. And also just watching my mom buy her own home in Nigeria, as I would call her a single woman, really just lit that fire in me at the time I was 14. So when I came here at 18, getting ready to buy my home at 21 and realized that, man, this is something that wasn't even available to my mom. But here I am, and it's available to me. I can use a little bit of credit. I could use a little bit of cash. I don't have to bring $100,000 in cash. It was a no-brainer, and I decided to go for it.
0: That's amazing. And so you were able to leverage getting started investing in real estate at 21. You were able to leverage your real estate investments to pay off your student loans, $26,000. Can you share how you made this happen? What specific things did you do to pay off your debt with real estate?
1: Well, before sharing specific tips, I really, really want to give like, because there's no way I can tell this story without acknowledging the tuition reimbursement that helped me pay off or should I say that allowed me graduate with less. So mm-hmm. I have a bachelor's degree and I have a master's. If I had paid that tuition on my own and taking out student loans, I would have graduated with $52,000 in debt. But because of tuition reimbursement, I was able to graduate with half of the amount. So I finished with $26,000. So what I'm trying to say is basically that I started paying off my student loan debt with way less than I should have had in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so paying off that $26,000 was really just being intentional. And I saved my profits over the years it was a combination of saving my tax returns you know saving money from my job as best as I could and also saving my profits at the time and for a little bit in my journey I mean there were things that I didn't I didn't do for a while like I didn't travel too much mm-hmm. for a while. I looked for low cost ways to have fun within my budget because I had a goal for me at the time, paying off that student loan debt was like one less thing that I would have to worry about. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, the student loan conversation is a hot topic and everyone's clamoring for, you know, student loan forgiveness. But at the time that was not a conversation because I paid it off in 2017. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So that wasn't, you know, it wasn't as hot as it was. And I'm like, I was thinking about my future and I'm like, I don't well, I've read so many stories of people like in their 60s and 50s still having this huge debt to deal with. I'm like, I don't want this to be my story. It's yeah. best to pay it off now and just move on with my life. So I didn't travel for a little bit. And sometimes I think when people think about, you know, you know, striving towards a goal, they think like you have to cut out everything completely. Like you, you have to like stop your whole life and not have fun, sometimes that's not what it means. It just means that maybe you need to reduce the amount of times you spend in a certain category. So let's say in a year, typically you would travel, I don't know, like five times in a year. Maybe you can cut back to two times a year. Do you see what I'm saying? And that three times that you did not travel, put that money towards something else. So I guess my point is you don't need to give up your whole life just to pay off debt. You can reduce the amount of times you spend it in a certain category. So for me, it was a combination of things. I didn't travel as often as I would have. I looked for low cost ways to save and I used my real estate profits because at the time that I was paying off my student loan debt, I only had two properties. Mm -hmm. So that was your rental
0: income, your profits from the rental income. And if you don't mind sharing, when you graduated from college, what were you earning?
1: At the time I was earning... About 40,000. Okay. Yeah. When I graduated from college, about 40, 45. That was a while ago.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that's, you know, I just want to say that you did have that tuition reimbursement. You could have graduated college with 50 something thousand dollars in loans, but you still graduated with 26,000. And for someone who's earning $40,000, unless your profits every month were in the thousands and thousands of dollars, that's still (laughs) 26K is is a lot of money. So you had that opportunity. You were fortunate in that sense, but you also still had a significant amount of debt that you were dealing with. So it was leveraging that, leveraging your income, leveraging your real estate rental income profits, managing your budget <laughs> basically. Exactly. Yeah. and how long did it take you to pay off this debt it took me three years three years wow okay so it, it,
1: yeah. it, it took me three that's, years because I, I got the first notification from Nelnet in 2014 <laughs> you know their little reminder saying okay ma'am it's time to <laughs> you have graduated <laughs> <laughs> it's time to pony up and pay us what you owe us and I was like okay so I started, you know, I would make my monthly payments, but I was saving because there are several ways you could pay. You know, some people decide to pay it off in chunks. I paid off mine as a lump sum. Okay, It was just monies that I had saved and saved tax returns, you know, just. And then one day on my birthday, I went into the account. <sighs> <laughs> and I just said you know what I need to get rid of these people like and it was literally the best birthday gift I could give myself that's quite the birthday
0: gift <laughs> <laughs> well congratulations on paying off that debt you know that's a huge accomplishment because you're now freed up money to do other things right exactly. so exactly um, like invest exactly. in real estate so this was back in 2017 and Since then, you've built a portfolio, a real estate portfolio that now generates six figures in revenue. First of all, high five, girl. That is incredible. Talk about building wealth, six figures in revenue. Obviously you have your expenses, but you're also clearing your profit. So please tell us what type of real estate do you have in your portfolio? And is the revenue primarily rental income? And what kind of expenses do you have to deal with? Just for anyone who's listening, who is like, okay, I want to build a portfolio that's six figures in (laughs) revenue with real estate. What can I expect? So what kind of investments do you have? Is it rental income? And how do you manage your expenses?
1: Yes, that's a good question. So I do have, I'm a buy and hold real estate investor. So, you know, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of ways you could invest in real estate these days. You know, it's like real estate is the hot commodity. (laughs) If you're, if you're on Instagram, everyone's like raving about real estate. Well, there's several ways you can invest. You could do Airbnb, you could do, you know, flips, you could buy and hold. I'm a buy and hold real estate investor. So that's basically, I rent to families or individuals. I don't want to do the short term yet, Mm -hmm. or I'm not in that space. So the revenue is primarily from just rental income. Some of the expenses you can expect include your mortgage, basically your principal and interest, the taxes, the insurance, the maintenance. Well, now when you get into maintenance, now it depends. Mm-hmm. because real estate is different by state. For instance, I pay water bills. I pay because I have multifamily properties where the meter is all in one. So I pay the water bills, but I don't pay their utilities. I know some investors who pay utilities, meaning the electricity, the heat, the water, and all of that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's principal, interest, taxes, insurance, I pay water, I pay trash removal as well, and then maintenance. Some of the maintenance, again, it depends on how you you could include that in the lease or choose not to include that in the lease. It all depends on how you decide to create your lease. But the most mm-hmm. common would be taxes, insurance, mortgage, trash, maybe water.
0: I know that some states require you to pay water. To pay the water, there has to be water for the tenant, whether or not they're paying their rent
1: Yes. Well, like you said, some states and some areas, because I do have a property that I don't pay the water bill because the meter is separate. Okay. So you're right. The prior owner separated the meter and that way the first floor has their own water bill and the second floor has their own water bill. But if the meter was together, then I would be responsible for paying it. So, and when I get tenants, I explain that that's how it is. And you know, they do have the option to go with it or not go with it. But the property is in in a nice area where there's a school. So I tend to get people who go with it. It's a good spot. Always rented, right? Exactly. Mm
0: -hmm. And are you investing in individual
1: homes, multifamily homes, apartments? I'm invested in in multifamily properties. Okay. That's it. I don't do, you know, again... There are so many ways you could get into real estate. Some people invest in like warehouses, they, in, they invest in like maybe in medical facilities, like they pull money together and all of that. No, I'm not. I'm a solo owner. So my name, it's just my name okay. on all my deeds. It's just me.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because we've had a few different people talking about real estate here. Most recently, a lady has a real estate investment syndicate. And mm-hmm. then I uh, spoke to another lady who invests in mobile home lots, mm-hmm. other folks who invest in individual properties. And I've heard of people investing in farmland, hospitality, mm-hmm. resorts. So it really depends. And it all boils down, for those of you listening, to doing your research and making sure that the numbers make sense and feeling comfortable. So just a question about how you make the decision to invest in real estate, will When you look at a multifamily property, what is your number one or your one and two key indicators that this is a good investment for you?
1: My indicators would include location. I think that's very, very important. Mm -hmm. Another key indication would be the condition that I'm buying the property in. How is the property right now? Because, okay, so last year I did my first flip. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, I did. Like, was it I, like on the TV shows? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have, I have a reel on my page where I documented the process. It was a headache, but it was good fun. Again, I think at the end of the day, real estate, you have to know what kind of person you are. Do you see work as a challenge? Because real estate, a lot of people get turned off by it because they feel like it's too much work for them. But to whom a lot is given, a lot is expected. There are so many benefits to real estate in general that to me, it makes the work in air quotes, I know you can't see me right now, in air quotes, it makes the work worth it. So I did my first flip last year and the condition of the property, I already knew that the first floor had a damage. There was a fire damage to it. The second floor was already rented out. So I was like, okay, so this makes sense. The mm. top floor is rented out to a long-term tenant and she didn't want to move. So I could collect income while I'm fixing the first floor. So we ended up you know, getting everything done from new floors to electrical panel, to kitchen, to fixing the bathroom and all of that. So yes, the condition the property is in determines how much you should pay for it.
0: Yeah, because you have to put money in,
1: into it. Exactly. I mean, right now, of course, we have a crazy market. Let's start from there. Right yes, now, the a market whole, a whole... <laughs> that's a listen, whole... Listen, listen. <laughs> like, the street, streets are crazy. Like, you have people... You know, like, I saw a property the other day. I'm going to share this because I'm currently house hunting. You know, real estate investing hunting. And this property I saw last year, I wanted to make an offer for it. It was going for 110. I mean, this property is a complete com- when you have an X on the building by the city. <laughs> like, matter of fact, to go into the property, they tell you have to sign a release form a that waiver. if you if you fall through, you're not going to hold them responsible. That's how bad it is. It has an X on it, meaning that the city has marked it as unsafe. The property wow. was listed for 110. I put in an offer for 80,000. This was a year ago. Right. The property ended up being sold at 65,000. Please don't ask me how that happened. Maybe there was some underground stuff going on. I don't know. But whoever purchased it was able to get it at 65,000. That person has put that property on the market right now. Did not do a single work. Meaning the property is still in the same condition as it was. When I saw it, guess how much they they listed it for right now? One forty nine.
0: Wow, you know this and, is so reminiscent of two thousand and seven. <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> mortgages, where like you said, anybody could get a mortgage. Now, in addition to anybody getting a mortgage, interest rates are dirt dirt cheap, super low. I definitely believe this is resulting in a housing bubble. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard so many crazy stories of people. Because they know this house will not appraise for this new insane valuation that's associated to it. They are going non-traditional mortgage routes and taking personal loans at higher interest Ooh. rates to buy this more expensive house.
1: Really? And then
0: the homes foreclose and then come right back on the market right into this crazy market. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's it definitely is, not a wise decision to go borrow no. extra
0: Yep, because it's not appraising for the full value. So the real estate market right now is crazy. But like you said, you are a buy and hold. You're a long term thinker. And you're not making money on flipping the home. You're making money on that positive cash flow, right? As a landlady or property owner, the positive cash flow where the difference between your expenses and the rental income, what's left over.
1: Yes, with the flip, I ended up keeping it because you could choose to sell if you hmm. want to or you could choose to refinance out because you know, flipping is kind of advanced a little bit. You have to go a non-traditional route because no lender is gonna give you a money to fix a property that you're not going to live in. Yeah. So I had to take a hard money loan and I was fine with it because I already have a few properties. I already, I would say I'm a seasoned investor. So I understood the risks That came with it. I was fine with the hard money. We finished the work and I refinanced out of the hard money. A hard money loan is usually a higher rate loan. It's risky because it's only for one year. So, in that one year, they expect you to finish fixing the property and move on with it. So, because the loan is only for a year, the interest rate is typically higher than a 30 year mortgage. So, once I was done, I realized I didn't want to sell. Why sell something that's generating income for you? And that the total annual income on that property was actually what pushed me well over into six figures. So I was like, why not keep it? So I decided to refinance it. I paid off the hard money loan, got a little cash for myself as well. And I moved on.
0: So I just yeah. found the reel. We're going to post a link in the show yeah. notes for your Instagram, one savvy dollar. So people can check it out. You list the numbers here. You show the before and after. This is really, really inspirational. So we will share that. Very exciting. Thank um, you. And with the purchase price and the rehab costs, it appraised for much more. And then you have that incredible positive cash flow from yeah. now renting this renovated property. That's amazing. We'll yeah. Share I- that. So you guys check it out in the show notes of this episode.
1: Thank you. And <laughs> even a property sold on that street for way more than mine appraised for. And it's a similar property. So, so that was
0: then. Have- right. So if you were to sell it today, <laughs> you're oh. probably going to have my brother went to see a, a house and he said he got there for an open house. Mm-hmm. And there was a line of 80 people outside. And he's like, no, forget it. You probably have that same problem. <laughs> 80 people waiting to see your home because that's the nature of the market today. And it's I can't wrap my head around it. <laughs>
1: I'm going to reference something you said like that. This kind of reminds you of 2007, you know, like a bubble. I think we've kind of also learned our lessons from the last time because lending guidelines are actually very tight. I know this because I just bought my own home, right? So I just moved into my own home and the process, my goodness, I've never submitted so much paperwork in my entire, (laughs) in my entire, like, application process these people wanted everything they Mm -hmm. wanted every single document so i think at the time while you know mortgage home prices were like ballooning mortgage guidelines were very loose so they they, they were it was so easy to get a mortgage back then yeah and it's
0: definitely harder we also bought a home in the last couple of years and it's they need your soul (laughs) <laughs>
1: everything. I'm like, here,
0: your great grandfather's ID card. <laughs>
1: do, you want, do you want my unborn child to? Here, here you go. Because they wanted everything. So I think there's a difference between then and now. And also, interest rates are actually starting to go up.
0: Yes, ever so slightly. It's going to get under control. But what I find interesting is that this is now. Over 10 years gone, right? So yeah. the people who learned their lessons then are the people who learned the lessons then, but a lot of home buyers are, are young, young Gen Z, yeah. early millennials who did not have the experience of 2008. They were in college, they were in high school.
1: You're very correct on that. This is unprecedented. Like buying a home and waiving inspections. And the
0: other thing is the mortgage market is the rules are different. It's harder. That's where people now get creative with these secondary personal loans, mm-hmm. right? Which is more flexible and requires yeah. less documentation. And my mom and dad, my aunt and uncle can co-sign it real quick. And here's another hundred grand, yes. Has another 200 grand.
1: So right. that's the issue. If you're listening to, I'm a seasoned real estate investor, and I will tell you, do not skip your inspection. Do not. Don't. Yes. Yes. Do not do Absolutely that. do not. You need I, to know what's going on. It costs four or $500 for an inspection. And it will save you so much headache in the long run. I bought a property that I knew needed work, my flip. yes, I still had an inspection and I still yeah. have my report because there are certain details in that report that will help me going forward. If you skip inspection, make sure you have really deep pockets. And I just wouldn't advise you to do that. Why would you skip the inspection if it costs so little to get a report to know what's going on in
0: the home? At the end of the day, ultimately, it's your choice to decide if you buy it with the report or not. But if you're going to spend a hundred thousand two hundred, five hundred on a property, you're going to take a mortgage, you're going to put ten percent down, whatever. What is five hundred dollars? What is a thousand dollars for an inspection to know what you're buying? That's nothing compared to the costs and the future cost of potential repairs and replacements, right? The cost of the inspection is really insignificant for a lot of valuable information that either you're going to know up front or you're going to find out eventually (laughs) when things start to fall apart.
1: Right. I mean, my first property, I did not do an inspection and that cost me in the long run. Had I done an inspection, you see guys, you gotta (laughs) do your inspections. If I had done one at the time, I would have realized that the plumbing were old, like the the Mm. pipes for the plumbing was old and needed repair or replacement. And I would have been able to go back to the table and ask, you know, that that repair cost be deducted from the purchase price. Yeah. But I didn't do an inspection. I didn't know I was supposed to do one. I was 21. I was young. I was naive, you know, and that ended up costing me, I believe between three to 5,000 over time, not one time, just, you know, over time because every now and then like a section of the pipe would burst. And I would have to replace it and another section will burst and I would have to replace So over time, it did cost me money. So please, please get an inspection done.
0: Hey, everyone. So I wanted to come on here really quickly to share some amazing news with you. My fourth book drops this summer on July 6th, 2022, and I am beyond excited. The book is titled Choosing to prosper, triumphing over adversity, breaking out of comfort zones, achieving your life and money dreams. And it is different from my last three books in that it is very personal. However, it was an extremely important book for me to write. I talk about my imposter syndrome, my family and upbringing, my mental health challenges, my past career and relationship challenges, building resilience, building Clever Girl Finance as a business of impact, achieving my financial and personal dreams, and much more. And based on my experiences, I share ways in which women in general and women of color can overcome the challenges they face when it comes to finances, career and business. I share how women can build successful careers and or profitable and flexible businesses depending on your chosen path. And I also share the strategies that help me achieve success and how you can leverage them in your life as well. My hope for the women who read this book is that you are challenged to be confident, to find your voice, and to realize the personal growth you desire for yourself, regardless of what's stacked against you. My new book, Choosing to Prosper, is available for pre-order today in audio, ebook, and physical book formats wherever you buy your books. I cannot wait for July 6th. Okay, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, and even if you choose to buy the house as is and the seller is like, you know what? I'm not reducing the price at all. This is what it is. Having the inspection will allow you to budget your finances. So you you know what you have upcoming. You can start to save. And it's not a surprise when the pipe bursts or the electrical, whatever happens, like you already know. And then you have the finances to support dealing with the issue. Absolutely. So Ogechi, for someone who is currently renting and they're listening to this and they're getting excited about real estate, how do I go from, you help people do this, right? You, you teach people yeah. how to go from renters to becoming real estate investors. How do I go into my first real estate investment? What steps would you guide me towards taking? Okay,
1: so if you're a renter and you want to become a real estate investor, you have to be intentional. Once you've made up your mind that you're going to be an investor, you have to move different, set your intentionality. Assess your current situation, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: decide and understand how much you really earn, how much you really spend in your current situation right now and how you can start putting monies aside for real estate investing. Then you also want to decide, are you going to be an in-state investor or an out-of-state investor? You see, for my property, because I mentioned earning 40000 and I'm sure a lot of people were like, well, how are you able to buy 40, pro- rental property at $40,000? You know, don't forget, this was back then as well. And I also had to invest out of state. I live in New York, and I invested in Atlanta at the time. Mm-hmm. So you have to decide, because a lot of people say, oh, I live in an expensive state like D.C. or California or New York, and oh my God, I can't find properties, everything costs like my- 800000 a million dollars, you don't have to invest in the state that you live in. You could go out of state where there are more affordable places or just where your income will go much further. Yeah, I agree. But once you make that decision as well, you also have to understand clearly the pros and the cons that come with it because now you have to travel. Are you going to have a property manager out there? And don't forget, you pay that property manager off of what would have been your profits Yeah. So it's something that you really need to decide if you want to do. Also, connect with people who are real estate investors. And Instagram has given us so much access to a lot of people. I mean, I remember back then, my goodness, to get any real real estate information, you had to pay like $10,000, $20,000 to go to a seminar
0: Yeah, and then find how to get the MLS listing that has expired from six months ago and then find a real estate agent who can give you the updated MLS listing or find how to pay to get the MLS listing and then another listing for the foreclosures and the not yet on market and then I've been
1: there. (laughs) You know how it was. I mean, Instagram has leveled the playing field. So much you have access to so many. Just go in the search bar for Instagram. Just type real estate, real estate investor, and I'm sure you know so many people. So many.
0: They're gonna come to your page,
1: one savvy dollar, Ogichi, as their first point of research. (laughs) Come through. I welcome. I welcome. I'm always excited when people are like, "I'm going to be a real estate investor." I'm like, "Yes, go for it." So yes, connect with people who are real estate investors. Read books. Find a mentor. I'm going to just really say this because sometimes people think, oh my God, I can do it. It's just, but no, it's not just. When you add the word just, you tend to minimize something. This is an investment you're going to make. This is a high five figure or six figure investment you're going to make in a property. Paying a mentor, you know, a few hundreds or maybe like 900, a thousand dollars. Trust me, it is worth that. In comparison to the future gains and the mistakes, they can help you not make. Yes, yes. Find them. Take a course. Courses are things have changed. Trust me. What you think is expensive as a course is not as expensive as it used to be. Yep. Yes. There's so, more, so much more access, like you said, with yes. Instagram and things like that. Yes. And you have to understand, real estate is not something that you just purchase with two clicks and you're done. I mean, if it's you're not excited, a stock, right? <laughs> It's not stock. I tell people this all the time, you know, it's not two clicks and you're done. You can't just sit in your house and your real estate is a process that could take 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. If you buy a property that needs work, I mean, you could be in this for like six months to mm-hmm. a year. The clock is
0: ticking because that's money you have to pay on a mortgage exactly. on a house that's being worked on that is not generating you any revenue.
1: Exactly. And there are so many moving parts there's so many people you have to deal with in the process from your agent to the lender. And the, even within the lender, you have, you deal with a processor, you deal with the underwriter, you deal with a closer, you deal with the title, you deal with attorneys. If you buy a property that needs working, you deal with contractors. I mean, the point yep. I'm trying to make is that there are so many parts to this. So don't minimize your learning experience. Don't say, Oh my God, it's just fine. No, it's not just fine. If you can find someone that you trust, you know, you go on their page, make sure they show their work, you know, they talk about their properties and find a mentor, pay them what they charge and get that learning. The investment is well worth it because even I look back at my own journey, yeah, and I realized that a mentor could have helped me even get to these six figures much faster. Mm. yes. As the first in my, you see, that's, that's the problem with us when we are first people to do stuff in our families. We don't have the support from within. And at the time, I didn't have access to all the information that I have now and access to all the people that I have now. So while some people, some people might look at me and say, oh my God, you're doing great. I know that if I had a mentor, I would have gotten here much faster. There's so much more I could have done. You know, yeah. the few mistakes that I would not have made in my own journey.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, sometimes you learn from your own experiences, but sometimes you can learn from other people's experiences other people. and save I yourself it's cheaper. It's, it's less emotional. It's less painful. painful. Every business, every investment, you're bound to make mistakes. It's part of the learning and growth process, but if you can minimize that leveraging Mm -hmm. other people's experience, other people's mistakes, other people's insights, that can be so incredibly helpful, especially for obvious things that may not be obvious to you because you haven't gone through the experience. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with you about doing your research educating yourself being fully committed not minimizing the commitment to becoming an investor who wants to build wealth right and just committing to what you want to do like you didn't have to leave new york and go invest in atlanta and research a whole new market and figure out how a whole new market is and neighborhoods but you had a intention and you want to build wealth and one of the things actually that's really important to you is generational wealth and
1: i would love for you to elaborate on that generational wealth for me is being able to live life on my own terms, being able to, I know personally, because a lot of people, there's this fire movement and all of that stuff. And yeah, that's great. But I know I'm going to keep working now, but the difference is for me that I'm going to work because I want to, not because I have to. Mm Yeah. Because
0: you want to, and not because you have to, that is
1: goals, right? It's a life of options. You know, it's, it's being my own sugar daddy. Okay, no. Exactly. Sugar mommy. <laughs> sugar somebody. Sugar <laughs> somebody. It's being my own sugar something. My own
0: sugar something. Yes. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> living my soft life, you know. Uh, <laughs> the soft life. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's living the soft life because I do plan on being real estate rich. That's just, I love that. You know, I don't have any shame saying that. I, I feel like there's so much. Oh my God, as women, there's so much, so much crap. I'm sorry that we have to take. You know, Obi, don't say that you like money. Don't say that you want to be comfortable. Don't say that you want to. You know, no, I do want to be.
0: Oh, like, I like money. I will not <laughs> apologize for having money. <laughs> nope. I do, do want. Please pay me. I more. want more money. I want more. And it's not because I'm greedy, but it's because of what I know having money can do, especially as a Black woman living in America. So if you're listening to this, regardless of your demographic, you want more money. You should be proud of having money, right? And you like money because guess what? When you have money, it gives you options. You choose who you can use your money to support. You can walk away from situations that do not serve you, do not serve your family. You can create your own options for yourself, Right. You can give back to your community. You can create generational wealth for your family and for your children's children to come. So, yes, I want more money. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> being broke and, you know, being like it doesn't help anyone. It does not help your community. doesn't even help you. Mm, because help when, you. Yeah, people, when your
0: finances are not in order, you're stressed, you're aggravated, you're upset, you're depressed. So that mindset of, oh, you know, you shouldn't act like you like money, be humble. Sure. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing for that person. Not for you. You're not on this earth to be broke no. or to suffer or to to not live out your full potential because somebody else thinks, oh my God, she likes money too much. Exactly. I don't care.
1: Who you am. <laughs> who you, who you <laughs> You're not helping anyone, you know? So yeah, generational wealth for me is just being able to live life on my own terms, working because I want to, not because I have to, being able to serve my community, being able to show up, being able to increase my impact as well. Because when you, money makes things move. Yep. If, you know, if you have the money, you can you can do more for the people around you. So, yes, to yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: So what advice would you give anyone listening to this who is just like, oh, I'm not sure about real estate. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I know you've given us tons of advice so far, but anything else you'd want to share for that person who is just like, OK,
1: I'm thinking about what Oguchi said, you know. Let's see. My advice is going to be two parts. I was doing research the other day and I found out that there are like, according to the report, it's a CNBC article It says that we're short 5 million houses right now. That mm. report was as of September, meaning builders cannot even build fast enough. Every mm. year from 2000, the census is done every 10 years. So from 2000 to 2000, basically there. are Currently, over three million people in the US right now. And we only have 140 million houses currently. I posted some of this on my page with you know like the links to like the articles. So basically, we have more people than we have properties. So the homeowner who's on the fence, because I said my, my advice is gonna be two parts. Do your best to find something that you can afford, that you can truly afford, not just afford. Remember the other qualifier. You have to be able to truly afford the property. I would never tell you to just rush into homeownership. No. Mm -hmm. Find a property that you can truly afford that will allow you, you know, live in a home and also live your best life. Own it. Even if it's a house, because I find that a lot of homeowners tend to want everything to be perfect and pretty and, you know, oh, my God, the bells. No, compromise somewhere, meaning it doesn't have to be too perfect. Don't get carried away by something that you can just do a little paint job on, change a few light fixtures. And I speak as someone who just bought her own home, Mm -hmm. you know, and I did fix up. I changed the floors. I painted the place and trust me, just changing the floors totally elevated the space. And that's something that the prior owners could have done and probably gotten more money from me. But as an investor, when I walked in, I saw the potential right away location, you know, two bedroom for the price of one, everything just, a few things just needed to be done Mm -hmm. and I wasn't afraid to do it. So I purchased the place, did the minor cosmetic stuff and the value has gone up. So the point is, find something that you can, because a lot of people will try to discourage you from home ownership. Don't forget, real estate or home ownership is actually a cornerstone to wealth building. If all you have in your investing journey you know, is like paper assets, you are not as diversified as you think. If you're somewhere paying rent right now, I don't need to point you to articles. If if you read a lot, you'll see that rents have gone up everywhere, everywhere. So if rents are what they are now, you have to think, what will rents be in the future? Mm -hmm. So find something that you can truly afford, even if it's not perfect. Keep searching. I know the market is hard right now. I know everyone's going nuts. But keep searching. Make connections with agents and do your best to find something and own it. Regardless of whether you're going to live there for a gazillion years or not, it doesn't matter. The point is this. You now have an asset that you own, control, and can leverage. The moment you have real estate in your portfolio, you now have a solid, very solid piece of collateral, and you will always win. Now, to those who want to become real estate investors, I will say, you know, find someone, connect with a mentor, Take your learning seriously because you do have to be willing to do what it takes to own. And somewhere along the line, that includes sacrificing. Even if you may not, you know, be able to go out like a million times in a year, there are ways to still have fun and work towards your goals. Take your learning seriously, connect with someone, take a course and go for it. My first part, I had to hop on a a flight. From New York to Atlanta on a Memorial Day weekend. Mm. And that was how I got my first property at the time. So do your research, go for it. And real estate might seem like work, but trust me when I say the benefits are amazing. You get cash flow, your property is gonna appreciate. That property I bought has gone up so much right now, and I'm so glad I didn't let anyone talk me out of owning. Yeah, very smart. <laughs> I'm so so glad because I would have looked back at that moment with such regret. And there are a lot of negative Nancy's right now and negative Nathan's. They're all over the place.
0: <laughs> no, but everyone who listens to this podcast already knows
1: that we don't pay the naysayers any mind. We don't. They're gonna whip out a calculator <laughs> and tell you, oh my god, if you're going if you're trying to own a home, oh my god, you're gonna pay all these monies in maintenance and you shouldn't do this, you should nah. Remember what I said. You have an asset that you own, control, and can leverage, and that is the real wealth building. Hmm, I love ownership. That. Will cost you. That's it. Costs money to be the boss.
0: Yes, it does. It's yeah. going to cost to maintain, but it's factored into that asset you own. Yeah.
1: Bala is a boss right now. (laughs) (laughs) You're funny. (laughs) You probably see her online and she says, hi, I'm here to share some tips with you. Trust me. (laughs) Bala is a boss. (laughs) Don't even. Yeah, Bala is a boss. But I'm sure if she was to keep it 100, it has cost her too.
0: Absolutely. Yes, it does cost. You you know the saying, you have to spend money to make money. It is true. But you spend money in a strategic way, right? So the cost it's going to cost you to maintain your real estate properties, whatever investments you have, is going to be based on your strategic research and the education that you have the negative Nancy, Nathan, whoever that's out there running calculations for you has not done the research you have done, does not have the education you have. And ultimately you are the decision maker. You decide based on what you feel is best on you, based on what you know is in your bank account, based on the type of portfolio and wealth building you're pursuing. Those people don't know that. And if you're being honest, they don't care. A lot of people just want to see you fail so they can say, you know what? I knew it wasn't going to work. Exactly. That's, that's the only reason why they, they even care to begin with.
1: You know, so arm yourself with education, connect with people. As an investor, there's so many, all of those expenses that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, my interest, my taxes, my insurance, my water bill, the trash bill, I get to deduct that. When I go up to see my properties, it counts as a business expense. That's also, yes, this is one part I need to mention as well. If you take a course, And you are able to buy a property within the same year that you take a course. Don't forget, you can deduct that as an expense. Because when you invest in real estate, you're essentially starting a business. And I think that was also one of the benefits for me. It's like killing one bird or two birds. What's that saying? Killing two birds with one one stone. Right. It's the idea that I could take one action and yield so many returns from Mm. cash flow to appreciate. Everyone who owns property, who owns a rental property, saw their property values go up. Here's the thing. They get to depreciate. There's something called depreciation in real estate. So your property is appreciating, yet the tax laws allows you to expense for depreciation, simply for wear and tear that may or may not even be happening. Mm -hmm. And that's a powerful deduction that you get to, Take every year for 27.5 years. So when you come down to the hard numbers, real estate investing allows you compound your wealth because there are just too many benefits to it.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. You know, you want to have a broadly diversified portfolio, and when you look at the wealthiest people in the world, their portfolios are broadly diversified across stocks real estate business mm-hmm. etc and in each of those categories within those categories they're again diversified like in different yeah. types of real estate different types of stock market investments different type of business investment so think about your starting point if you're considering real estate Ogechi has shared so much really great information so many gems as to how you can get started you know Think about where you want to get started with investing in the stock market. Your 401k, if you're employed, or IRA is, is the lowest barrier to entry, right? Mm-hmm. And exploring other businesses. So this is such a wealth of information. Thank you so much for sharing, Ogechi. But before you go, you have to tell us, what is your Clever Girl superpower? <laughs>
1: what is my superpower? Baking banana bread count. Listen, is your banana bread <laughs> better than mine? Because I think that's... <laughs> Because I bake the best banana
0: bread. Oh, does eating banana bread count? Let's not go there. We can have a banana bread battle right oh, now. Please, set <laughs> up the dates. Let me know where to pull up. We can fight over this banana bread. <laughs> I have that on my personal website, something about me, that I baked the best banana bread. <laughs> Meanwhile, I haven't baked it in years, but I baked the best one. <laughs> I haven't begged this since like 2017. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> <laughs> I love banana bread. Like Me too. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh. Thank you so much, Ogechi. And finally, please tell everyone how to keep in touch with you, your website address, your social media address, and we'll have that information in the show notes.
1: I'm on everything is at One Savvy Dollar website, okay. onesavvydollar.com, Instagram handle where I'm the most active is at one savvy
0: dollar. Awesome. And Oguchi shares, she educates people how to go from renters to becoming real estate investors to building a portfolio. So definitely follow her, see what she has going on on Instagram. Her reels are pretty cool. And I just appreciate you, Oguchi. Thank you so much for all your support of Clever World Finance in the past and for being here to share your amazingness
1: with our amazing listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope that I've been able to give your audience value and something that they can take with them and implement pretty much right away.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, You can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.